The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert, layman Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. A very quick note about this episode. We strive for putting out the best audio quality possible. Hopefully, you've noticed. On this one, in between bottles, diapers, and naps, I failed to double-check my input, and so I sound a little bit like I'm calling in from a cave. Luckily, Alexander says most of the important stuff, so our apologies. We will be back next week with our usual cleaner sound. So please forgive us as we chat about early reactions, perhaps overreactions, early storylines, and what you can and should care about as the season progresses in terms of narratives and numbers. Before we get to all of that, Alexander, how are you doing? You know, it's uh, it's been an interesting week on uh, on my part. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm currently down a car. Um, so that, that's yeah, fun. that's that's not great. <laughs> down a car sounds like there's a story to tell. Yeah, I mean, pretty boring one. Someone well, that's kind good of, actually. Yeah, that's if that, you're that down is down a good, car. You kind of want it to be a boring ver- version of that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone just kind of like changed lanes into me, and I need to get it fixed. Uh, but like mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to drive it because I'm worried about the wheel. Just just the most mundane of all of the story stuff there. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing though is I've been spending a lot more time uh, riding the train to work, which means I have a bunch more time to kill on my commute and that I can use my hands during my commute. So I've been like reading or watching baseball, which is actually really timely. Uh, it's, you know, it's been, it's been fine. Uh, all told. Yeah. A little bit more time to let the old Alexander think box do its thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you've, been, <laughs> if you've been paying more attention, uh, let's start with our, our, my first question for you of the day, which is what's your favorite storyline of this very young season so far? Uh, I'm going to throw you for like a potential loop here. It's actually been the pitchcom stuff. I've been really into all that. Uh, for one, when it's been working, I found that to be really, really fun to watch. Where you'll just see a pitcher get in a groove, catcher really start calling the game quickly, and that tempo pushes in this really fun way. So it kind of adds this interesting sort of like, I'm going to make a comparison to college football and like the old Oregon Ducks when they like realize they can beat you and they just do it really fast. We've seen like not quite that thing, but we've seen some people people like really get going with this pitchcom stuff, and the game feels like it's going a, t- a tick faster in a way that doesn't feel forced, but more feels like 
people have an ability to settle into this nice new rhythm. So I like that. Um, Can you talk just a a little bit more in depth about what that is? We're alluding to it, but just in case people don't know what what it is you're talking about. Yes. uh, Pitch calm with an M, not con with an N. Not the thing that we did that one time, but instead a piece (laughs) of technology. So it's like inside your hat. And we'll get into how this goes wrong later as a result. Inside, like, the pitcher's hat, they'll have, like, a little speaker thing. And then the, the catcher will, like, call, like press a button on their wrist to, like, call a pitch. And it'll tell you, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't have one in my ear. But I imagine it's, like, fastball yeah. up or, like, fastball. And then you press another button for, like, where you want it. And then it'll be, like, things like that, right? So it basically yeah. is a way to, like, relay using not signs that can be decoded, but just, like, it's basically like a button radio sort of thing. Uh, yeah, like if you the can quarterback imagine... has in his helmet uh, in the NFL, right? Right, right. So we've seen this work out a couple different ways. Sometimes, like especially Major League Baseball, the catchers are calling the games. Uh, we actually saw college baseball teams start to get into it. Uh, Vanderbilt was very notably using it in their year. If you're someone who follows college baseball, and uh, that led to some really fun stuff where like the pitching coach would get to call some games from the dugout, but they were also letting some more of like the catchers do some stuff depending. So it's a, it's an interesting tool that's allowing pace to increase in a way that feels organic. I feel, uh, and I like that, uh, you know, if you, um, if you take away the time where it's like arguing, but it, like from 60 feet away, um, <laughs> you let people get into their wind up and get set. And they're not just like rushing a throw because there's a pitch clock and the arguing took a second. Right. I think that's what we worry about. Also, all those batters, like I got to leave the box and readjust my wrist straps. If they can get the pitch called quickly, they're not doing as much of that playing around. Yeah. So I, I like it a lot, actually. I feel like it, it makes for a, a nice viewing experience that also it seems like they're enjoying because there's no miscommunication. Um, the other side of it though <laughs> is when it doesn't quite work, <laughs> which is really funny as well. So you'll see these instances where like, you know, especially like the, the, the away pitcher will be like taking off his hat and everyone thinks he's cheating and getting sticky stuff. And he's like, Nope, he's just trying to turn the volume up because yeah. <laughs> the fans are laughing. You can't hear it. All yeah, right, right. Right. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, but like it's, it's made for some nice humorous, uh, like little moments so far where like, you'll see some people like running up to the mound to figure what's going on. Obviously these catchers can still just do their regular sign stuff, but like, I find that this is, uh, it's not like a solution seeking or pardon me, a problem in search of a, no, a solution in search of a problem. That's the thing I'm trying to say. Like, it's not that there you go. it's not you just it like, out. we <laughs> got this tech, let's spend some money on it and say that it's fixing these things. I think it's. A, a nice step forward in a lot of fun ways and um yeah so i i feel like that's also a, a storyline that like doesn't make anyone really distinctly the villain which is nice uh mm, you know, some other yeah. things where we can complain about people but you know i always suspected it's like manfred's Us? trying to shrink the game and sell more bud light ads sort of people would probably get angry and i don't really see <laughs> i feel like i see that I'm, I'm surprised that the umpire being able to speak isn't sponsored this call brought to you by Budweiser. Uh, the guy was safe at home plate. Thanks. <laughs> this sure call it's coming. brought to you by your local like eyewear or whatever, like yeah. like uh, oh doctor, yeah right right doctor whatever's LASIK committee or LASIK committee it makes no sense. But you know what I mean? <laughs> A committee. <laughs> A committee of people doing LASIK. I'm not sure I'd want to be on the table for that one. <laughs> the LASIK uh, cartel. Yeah, right. Or the Verizon call. Uh, I'm sure it's coming. 
I'm sure it's coming. It's uh, some be. of my favorite things from the beginning of the season are, are more like the on the field. So there's so many to choose from, like Matt Brash going out and being awesome. I know that was something we were talking about going into the season, about him earning that last rotation spot. Uh, similarly, McGill being unbelievably good. Um, and, and then Stephen Kwan, who we'll get into. Uh, there was a moment, though, uh, in the last couple of days, um, by the time you've heard, you're hearing this, uh, Brett Phillips, um, not only is he just an amazingly uh, amazingly fun person to watch, um, he was pitching, he made an amazing uh, diving catch, um, it's just crazy stuff, but there was a, a game where he had spoken to a, a, young, a young lady who was going through cancer, and um, she had given him a wristband and some words of encouragement for his game. And he went out there and they were interviewing her in the stands. Uh, at the same time, he hit a, an absolute moonshot bomb home run. And, um, and he didn't realize it at the time, but afterwards the, you know, they, they ended up interviewing him and he, he showed real emotion. And, um, I really think those beautiful moments is really what baseball is all about. We wind up stuck in these statistical conversations a lot and and rightfully so. I mean, it's a, it's a huge part of fantasy and and the game. Um, We talk about uh, ADPs and we talk about uh, just all sorts of things, but at the heart of it, I think the reason we all came to baseball in the first place is because it it got us in our heart somewhere. And that, that was a pretty awesome moment. So if you haven't seen that, I'm sure you can find it on Twitter pretty easily. Go check it out. It's, it's really very, very touching. Um, and, and those are the kinds of things that I think baseball is, is the best at, uh, maybe of all the sports. Yeah, it was really fun. I, I've already been to a game. I went to the, like the second game of the season for the Nats when they were facing the Mets. Uh, there was already drama in that game. Uh, Lindor got hit in the yeah. jaw by a pitch and the we benches and bullpens cleared. Yes, I was. Wow. I was sitting around a lot of very angry Mets fans. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I had a lot of fun there. Uh, I, I posted to Twitter a picture of this uh, this Mets bro who uh, was standing uh, like near the foul poles where we were in left field, who was trying to heckle Yadiel Hernandez by yelling his Wikipedia page at him at one point. <laughs> and Do like, you know your birthday? Because I have it right here. It was it was so funny. Like these very polite, like obvious season ticket holders just told him, "Hey, can you go sit down? You're being annoying." Uh, loved that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he listen? Yes, actually, he did. Um, mm, nice. A notable thing that you may not have caught as clearly in that broadcast that happened after Lindor got hit is when he got hit. The the Nats actually had two arms up in the bullpen, which is a little bit suspicious to me. I will admit. Um, mm. I was. I think Cishek came in. Uh, threw inside, was immediately booted from the game. They had Sean Doolittle also warming up in the bullpen at that time. And uh, that was his first game back with the team since uh, his last season away. And mm-hmm. he got, I would say, an ovation comparable to Max Scherzer's and just below that of uh, Juan Soto's. The, the fans do love Sean Doolittle. And uh, he was pitching yeah. the sixth. He's not closing or anything. But he looked good. I'm so happy to have him back, like just personality-wise, and also that he looked good. Every team has to have that sort of story, I feel like, to to really sell the team as a concept if you're not good. And I'm glad that the Nats do. Um, and I know a lot of teams have, like, their guy that they're happy to have for different reasons who are, you know, like, healthy and, and going right now. So it, it's nice to have that for, like, an emotional reason. I'm, I'm happy uh, for, for Rays fans that those Brett Phillips moments keep coming. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's It's just one of those things where I feel like if that was the face of the game, People who don't 
normally care about baseball are going to care about those moments. And then, oh, by the way, while you're here, there's a reason why these things keep happening around this particular game. Why don't you, why don't you check it out for an inning or two? I, I just, I don't know. I, I, again, I, as somebody who absolutely loves this game, I hate kind of seeing the direction it's going in terms of popularity and engagement and all of that. And uh, these really, really beautiful things do exist. They've always existed. And uh, I, I just wish they were a little bit more of the focal point. Uh, let's move on to something that might be a little bit more controversial. We'll start with our, our pass fail earlier in our, our uh, rundown here, and that's the new Houston Astros City Connect jersey, jerseys, uh, uniforms, and hats. I know that you um, talk a lot about the Astros having been in the area as a youngster or a younger youngster because you're still fairly youngster. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> it's all relative. From yeah. where I'm sitting, you are. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on these Houston Astros city? Cause I know how much you love the Nats and, and they're really, I, I do think they missed an opportunity to be more bold with the pink. And I think you suggested mm-hmm. that, um, because especially on TV, it washes out a lot. Um, but what are your thoughts here on the Houston Astros? Um, I like them a lot. I think I, I've had a lot more experience than a lot of the average baseball fan and seeing weird concept jerseys actually get used in terms of soccer third kids mm-hmm. which are often horrendous and often very weird and sometimes <laughs> really hit and i think we I brought this up previously uh i've seen some people online i'm not gonna name names here because it's kind of like a really dumb thing to like attach to someone uh basically say it's like you know the only good ones are the ones that could like re- replace like replace the originals and things like that are like the only ones I like are the ones that I would actually want to see them wear full time. I don't believe that I want your alt city connect Jersey to be something that you do not want them to wear all of the time, but you Mm. do want them to wear for 10 games for like two or three years max and then get replaced out that you're willing to purchase and that you really like, it's just got to fill some weird niche and move on. And I think that's a hard hard needle to thread, right? It's, because you're right, you don't want it to be the kind of thing that they want to wear on a regular basis, but you don't want them to not want to wear it because it's horrendous. Um, I will say this: I love the hats. I think that the hats mm-hmm. are are really sharp. Um, as a uh, as a high school kid, I wore a hat and I wore an Astros hat. I'm a huge Red Sox fan, but um, I didn't want to get into like the whole Red Sox Yankees whatever because I live in Connecticut and there's a dividing line and all that. So I went with a with a National League team was a big fan of Jeff Bagwell at the time, having come from the Red Sox organization, wishing he was still there and not having been traded for, I think, Larry Anderson. You can go ahead and look him up on fan graphs. Um, and, uh, and so I, I did, I wore an Astros hat for many, many years. This is, this is the first time since then that I've actually considered buying another Astros hat. I think it's really, really cool. On the flip side, I feel like maybe as the Astros were going back through their catalog of uniforms, they decided to be inspired by the worst of what they've done over the years rather than the best. It gives me really, really, really strong Epcot in the 80s vibes, um, which maybe is something that you love. And that's fine for okay, me. I love I, that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not. That's uh, I don't know. It's fine, I guess. I mean, whatever. Who cares? Um but uh, I love those hats, so this is an opportunity for me to at least wax uh, ecstatic about about those. So I th- I think if you're going to do this sort of thing, the hat is probably one of the things you have to do best because people can buy hats like crazy, and fun hats are fun to have. Uh, so yeah. like yeah, they, I think they did a good job of like that alt but not too alt hat logo. 
Um, yes. I think that's actually one of the things that the uh, the Nats uh, alt does best is that uh, like uh, block W with the uh, um, with the like blossoms on it, it looks really nice. Whereas like the curly W, not a big fan. Uh, Walgreens hat, not great. Uh, this one, not great. Um, <laughs> I've never, I've never thought that before, and I'll never be able to not think that again. <laughs> yeah, I will note. Um, my girlfriend's last name is W, so she complained that she couldn't buy one because a lot of th- people would think it's just like a monogrammed hat, uh, which mm. is really, really funny. To that's me. Great. That's very funny. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, no. I didn't like the W on the on the city connects until you told me it was a throwback to the senator's logo. On it's that kind of a throwback. Yeah. Yeah. It well, very it's similar, a, it's an homage. An homage. Probably. Uh, yeah. And. And so, um, you know, the, the history fan in me loves that and immediately won me over. So, um, all right, let's let's play a game. Are you ready for our numbers of the week segment? We're going to play another game. I, I'm never not ready and I'm never fully ready. So, you know, yeah, it's, you're always the exact same level of readiness, which is <laughs> not at all. <laughs> OK, well, this is a fun one because I think it's going to help us talk a little bit about something that. It might be of interest. Um, it's not something that I've heard talked about a lot. Um, so, and that's talking about pitch value. Uh, Fangraphs has a pitch value uh, tool um, where you can actually see like the, the value of the pitch and then they have a pit, uh, pitch value over C, which helps you do like the ratio version of it. We can mm-hmm. talk about the maths afterwards and what's valuable and what's not and, and all of that. Um, but using that tool, I basically went to 20. 22 pitchers and the leaderboards um, and sorted the columns by who has the most pitch value for certain pitches. And I want you to try and tell me who you think it is. (laughs) So this is picking one person out of the field. So I'm setting you up to fail, but it's really just an opportunity for us (laughs) to talk about this number uh, and, and try and understand it. First of all, how, how it's arrived, uh, how, how they arrive at it how it might or might not be useful. So, um, and and I have one more question about it, which will come clearer after we talk about this. So for fastball, the PVAL, the leading PVAL, second place was 3.0. This one's 3.5. Who do you think, as of this moment right now, has the league's quote-unquote best fastball? So, And I believe this this would be a single pitch event, right? It would only take, am I right about that? You tell me. Okay, so the way PVAL works is it basically just ru- works off of uh, like run expectancy, like win probability sort of stuff. Um, so context matters and results matter, but like there's a lot of stuff that like doesn't actually matter that much that like we care about going forward. So PVAL does not predict anything essentially. What you happen to throw at the moment that the game mattered most is basically all that reflects. So we would need then basically to pick out pitches from the haystack that happened to be thrown at the right time and happened to have good results. Uh, so pitches that got crushed into a glove, still good. Uh, yeah, so, right, right. Yeah, so fa- I would think like a, a fastball that was probably thrown for some strikeouts and then didn't get crushed. I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, Chris Bassett. I, don't, I have no idea. Not, it's not Chris Bassett. I'm going to give you another guess, though, because this is an incredibly unfair thing I've done to you. Oh, yeah, clearly. And I'm good with that. Yeah. You want to take one more shot? Um, hmm. Wait, so this is as of this morning, right? Yes, as of, so today is the 13th, Wednesday, April 13th. Um, I'm going to also, I'm going to try to then uh, cheat by going someone who's had two starts. Let's go Tyler McGill. That's an awesome guess. I love it. It's it's not, it's Michael Lorenzen. 
Uh, <laughs> nope, never would have got enough. that. Yep. <laughs> so we could have done this all day. You wouldn't have gotten there. So keep this in mind. Fastball three and a half. Michael Lorenzen. Let's go curveball. It's 1.9. Uh, you're going to make me think who actually throws a curveball here that's any good. And it, again, this is going to be uh, a mess. Uh, this includes knuckle curves. Uh, I That depends upon, you have to ask Fangraphs <laughs> yeah. that question. We'll, we'll figure that out in a second. <laughs> I'm like, my, my brain's going to say um, something silly like Bieber, but I don't, yeah, let's go with, let's go with Shane Bieber just because. Uh, would you like to make another guess? <laughs> we'll see how much I want to make another guess here. I don't think that, you're going to get this one. No, I, I, would I don't be think so either. If you pull this name. Uh, I think the embarrassing me part here is the fun part, but you know, that's, uh, let's actually, okay. Uh, oh, I know. I know. I know. Except they don't, but I'll see. Um, last night, uh, we did see some really, really fun things uh, from Jesus Lazardo's curveball. So let's say his name. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about his performance and, and how encouraging it was, but the answer here is Kyle Wright. Yeah. Okay, that's good for me because I uh, I picked yeah. him up at a lot of places. And... There you go. There you go. And and by the way, this is less about embarrassing you and more about I think uh, listeners like to think in their head like oh they're going to play along you know and they're right yeah they're yeah 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 chance to guess but from the safety of their cars or or wherever their jogs where they don't have to be wrong out loud in front of everybody like I'm making you do. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, this is part of what I want to get at because there's going to be a pattern here. Fastball is, uh, was three point five was the the best. The curveball one point nine. We're going to go to slider now where it's 3.0. Okay. I want you to try and tell me who so you I would, think. I would want someone who is good, who throws a slider yeah. a lot. One of the things that might help me here is I have been uh, every day, which I will not do forever, but I have been doing it every day, cataloging uh, the single game hard contact rate, which would not matter to this, but also like CFW, CSW per uh, PA. So like how mm-hmm. many earned strikes you're getting per batter and whiff per PA, how many whiffs you're getting per batter. Uh, because, you know, I'm curious. Those things mean something early compared to other things. We'll get to that later. So I've been thinking every day, like, actively about which people have been working. Um, and it's been such a, just a weird smattering of people. Um, let's see. Slider that's been working. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to have to go in an ace direction. You're going to laugh at me in a second when it's not someone who's been uh, really good so um mm, i'm gonna delay just slightly more god i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) would you like me to give you a hint sure i'll take one i'll take my one hint of the segment here uh this is a name you've already mentioned oh oh really narrows it down okay uh i'm gonna go back then to bassett Shane Bieber on this one. (laughs) Shane Bieber. Last person I would have guessed. So slider uh, 3.0 for for Bieber right now. Um, And then there's the chain. Go ahead. ahead. I should say uh, Bieber has not had some really excellent uh, peripherals that have made people very happy. If you just heard a crashing noise, that was my cat in my background. So (laughs) I I Uh, say I I work really hard to edit out most of the background sounds, but it's impossible when they happen while you're talking. So that one's going to make it in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See what just happened over there. Um, 
we're worried about some velo. We're worried about some results, but uh, he has gotten a good number of uh, like reasonably good results, regardless. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The outcomes have still been okay. I know there's a lot of yeah, people yeah, talking yeah. about. I have him in a dynasty league, and I've had some people asking, and you know, all velocity concerns, velocity concerns, and yeah, sure. But maybe talk to me again in mid-May if it's still a problem. I mean, it's it's still so early on an abbreviated <sighs> spring training. Feels like I, a theme here. Yeah, I get it. I understand, uh, and. If it's going to happen at a point in a season where it's not as concerning, it's now. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see. Um, change up. The change up, the leading key uh, pitch value for the change up is 1.7. Uh, I'm going to tell you that it's not Ian Anderson. That's all I really know here. That is definitely uh, true. He <laughs> did not do well. Um, yeah, one of the things about change up is like the people who throw them a lot are never like my favorite guys so i never think about them all that much um i know that we did see four pretty pretty impressive from endings from giolito before he uh disappeared up into white Sox heaven uh so i'm gonna say his name and i know it's not him <laughs> it's not him. but that's a funny reference uh we want me to just give you this one so we don't yeah. go super yeah that sounds long. good it's zach davies uh, <laughs> change up Pitch value at 1.7. Now, here's something I noticed. Fastballs and sliders tend to be thrown harder than curveballs and changeups. Mm-hmm. Correct? Okay. Sure. Generally speaking, right? Yeah. And the fastball pitch values and value and the slider pitch values were higher by like a, a good bit. And that wasn't just these guys who were leading. I think it's is there anything to that in the in the formula and the way it's calculated, or is that just one of those weird sample size like the beginning of the year early season nonsense? So here's why we don't care about PVAL. PVAL is exclusively results dependent and it's exclusively how the results of the pitches affect run expectancy. So for the most part, all you really care about is like, okay, so you threw your fastball and you went from 00 to 01 takes up a tiny bit of p-bell so the run expectancy goes t- a tiny bit down because you're ahead in the count um you know you threw your change up and they hit a double your p-bell for your change up sinks so fastballs being used a lot the ones that really worked can have good p-bells uh sliders being used a lot there are a lot of people who are really slider forward right so you're right. just likely to if we throw enough darts have someone who hits a three there aren't as many people who throw change ups a lot throw curves a lot so they're less likely to have the dartboard hit something that's a high number in any given game um i really like actually this is an exercise in why we don't care about things that are exclusively outcomes ish right dependent right now so that's a that's a really good number to bring up the hilarity is exactly what we're looking for right now and there are a lot of other things you can take that same set of criteria like i do not care a single bit about a single pitch woba today I probably won't for quite a while. I pretty much never do, but I definitely won't for one season. <laughs> uh, and PVAL is not quite that. It does have the nice things about counts, which Woba doesn't. Uh, like, there's this part of me that's like, if we could take out some of the stuff from PVAL and add in some of the stuff about like X Woba, you know, like not make it not like exclusively like results dependent or like mm-hmm. count dependent, there is a version of PVAL that could be kind of interesting. Uh, like with but, location. That no, kind of a thing. Like, like right? just a, how much did this pitch help you as in terms of like the counts that you win? Because that's something I've been like thinking about a lot since our, our pitch con with an yes, episode and CSW 
and like the different counts and how like OO counts is really easy to throw called strikes. And like, if you're not getting that many of them in, in an OO counts, you're actually not doing that well. I'm sure there's a PVAL thing out there that someone could make. Uh, Jordan White and I have talked about something adjacent to this, but it's not quite the same mm-hmm. uh, that you could make that would do something cool here. Uh, but PVAL itself, in it. I'm just thinking about those guys who throw great pitches and the hitter just happens to best them on in that moment mm-hmm. um, where that actually should probably be a higher P valve than it it's going to come out now because the re- it's results oriented rather than now nah, he executed his pitch. The guy just had quick hands and went and got it. You know, that's sort yeah. of a thing. Even then like pitch Woba, like the, the pitches you execute a whole lot that are just never the last pitch of an at bat, like yeah. doesn't show up anywhere. Uh, that's why I don't typically care about a lot of those wobas for especially for fastballs if people just have good secondaries i don't care about your fastball woba it's the thing that you're going to use when you're you're about to walk someone or you're behind like it's it's not your fastball valdez right where where he's not using that pitch in those situations that's probably going to to put at it yeah yeah um i want to ask you one more question about this before we get into the meat of the episode and that is there is also this opportunity to put these things over c Talk to us about what that stat is what and how it changes things, and does it make it any better or worse, or is it just a different way of looking at the same not really useful information? If I remember correctly, and, and my Googling really quickly here has not uh, come up as fruitful as I wish it would. I believe the over C is per, per 100, 100 pitch. Right? Yeah, okay, yeah, C for 100. Yeah, okay, good. Yes, if it's per 100 thrown, that's way better uh, because then you get to do it per like a, like a reasonable uh, denominator. That, what we said earlier, like, people throw the fastballs more their p valves are going to be higher it allows you to set up the who's and because they count adjust it actually works here whose fastball is doing more for them isn't and you can compare some people who throw it like 25 percent of the time to people who throw it 45 percent of the time now there are issues right. just telling someone they should throw a pitch more will throw the whole balance of what they do off and everything ends up different um what we said earlier about the fastball being like the the pitch that kind of just gets blamed for everything results wise because you have to throw it when you're behind if you can't command your breaking pitches that'll show up in some weird ways here but i generally do like that i also especially like that whenever you get to compare people who are uh just going to be throwing like more innings than other people uh, it allows for some more fair comparisons so yeah fair denominators pretty much always going to be in favor of them Awesome. Well, we are going to continue this episode on the other side of the break, talking about what else we can kind of glean from the uh, first week of the season, what matters, what doesn't, signal noise, all of that. But before we do it, we're going to take a small break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right 
Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we are back. So, Alexander, I'm going to start with a question that I got uh, from uh, just a, a group a group text that I'm in. And uh, I was just asking people kind of what's what's on your mind about the first week? What's a, a question you'd like to maybe have us address? Kind of like a pseudo mailbag, I guess. And uh, this question comes to us from friend of the pod, Matt Vining. And uh, he's talking about Stephen Kwan. Obviously, he's come onto the radar gangbusters so far this year. And he says, obviously, he will eventually start to miss baseballs. Um, but what about his approach in today's game? So he's looking more for high contact, average, not really the fly ball revolution kind of hitter. How does that play? How does that sustain? And is his ability, his proof of concept that you can still do that today, maybe the spark of a pendulum swing back to more guys trying to be successful that way? What are your thoughts? Well, I actually want to take this back to an interesting little moment uh, in uh, baseball history. So Quan uh, is uh, an Oregon State prospect uh, or product. He's an Oregon State product. product. Yes, that's yeah. probably the better word. <laughs> um, he was on the same team as a guy named Nick Madrigal. Are you familiar with Nick Madrigal? I have heard of that name. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Quan basically did all the same things as Madrigal in terms of not striking out in college, being just otherworldly in terms of not missing baseballs. Um, he also, you know, I think he had a higher OBP on that same team in that same year. Uh, the problem is just he had a lower ISO, so he went lower mm -hmm. in the draft. Notably, neither of them were hitting like anything other than basically singles is like what's happening there. Singles and some doubles. No home run threat. Now, you know that when guys are young they're gonna come into their power unless they're torkelson in college and you know the result though is like despite the fact that we still like, really easily throw a 20 grade on madrigal's power Quan went like 100 something picks later than them in the draft and maybe 150 i can't remember exactly i'm not looking it up it's not that big of a detail here um <laughs> so there's been evidence that these people exist they are drafted some of them are really highly touted madrigal is a guy that people were stoked about i think a lot of them was kind of like He'll never miss, and maybe he'll steal 30 bases. The, and maybe yeah. he'll steal 30 bases uh, led to him being Much on a whole deal. lot of uh, rosters. <laughs> also, defense, I think both of them are going to be plus defenders, uh, I think. Uh, we'll see. It doesn't matter for our games, but oh, yeah. it does matter for opportunity. Maybe for their games. <laughs> right, right. I can't. It's that All that defense stuff is purely beside the point here. Um, the thing is, you have to be like an alien essentially, to, to make that I cannot hit the ball to the fence, but I can hit it um, over the shortstop's head and I can hit it all of the time sort of approach work. Uh, people try it all of the time. They are in the league. They just are not hitting second and third on smart teams for the most part. Uh, I mean, there, yeah. there, there are caveats. Uh, there are definitely caveats. Uh, I think the teams that were really into them end up maybe not always being the smartest teams. A secondary kind of bit here, though. This archetype doesn't miss a whole lot. Um, and maybe if we can get them to pull the ball more and we can build some more power, they'll turn into something. It's something that Cleveland's been after for a long, long, long time. And eventually some of them just start hitting home runs. Uh, Jose Ramirez was a uh, batting average, not a whole lot of power, uh, kind of like fringe E prospect who uh, is now an MVP candidate and has been for basically everything other than like a half season and change over the past five years. 
He's been awesome. Uh, Francisco yeah. Lindor just got paid like, I don't know, a quarter of what the Nats are going to sell for. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like these people are really good when they develop the power. When they don't develop the power, you get, um, well, have you seen the angels infield over the past few years? <laughs> um, yeah. So like, yeah, you can be that guy uh, to a degree. There are trade-offs. Uh, I, I should note hard contact. It's roughly as good as a walk. You have to, in search of this, not walk 0% of the time also. Uh, right, H- right. Hanser Alberto is a guy who like doesn't strike out a whole lot, doesn't walk a whole lot because he swings at literally everything. The thing that's interesting about Quan is like he's looking for a couple of pitches he knows he can hit really well. He's really good at using his contact ability on purpose, it's so far it seems, to foul off a lot of stuff. He's got the ability to really turn on stuff inside and pit teams have seemingly been pitching him outside and just foul it off. If he doesn't want it, hit it if he does. And uh, he's walking a good deal because, you know, he's got the ability to recognize stuff. So he's a superhuman. Um, (laughs) You cannot just choose to not miss the ball and choose to read whether or not it's going to be exactly your pitch as well as he does. A lot of people are guessing with a lot of power up there. The, guess and hope and you are really strong um like archetype clearly still works uh i I want to note that hasn't stopped working um as pitchers have gotten better way way more prevalent than it it has been in the past i i often think about this uh yeah i'm with you here i often think about this uh episode of the now defunct uh rip and peace um ringer baseball show uh from early early last year pre-sticky stuff breakdown where they're talking about how pitchers have just gotten more and more broken every year every year the strikeout rate goes up a tick and that happens long enough you know hitters have no chance well that has made it harder to be the guy who just reads what the pitch is doing if the pitchers are moving more and your decision point they all look the same it's becoming an increasingly impossible task to be steven Kwan. Uh, that's why yeah, he's so impressive. That makes sense. Uh, and that's why the if you can't do anything but guess, the guys who just guess and then swing really hard are being rewarded because the other thing has been nerfed, so to speak. So yeah, yeah, harder to do the the other approach, and so it's okay if you hit two twenty now because a lot of people are. So yeah. let me ask you this this really significant question: Is this sustainable? Is that is is Quan the guy we should all be going out and rostering immediately, or is this fool's gold in the end? Um, I I want to reference back something that uh, it's credit Devin Fink here uh, for pulling this uh, really great uh, tidbit. All told, I think Rob Silver also pulled something similar, so I want to give them both credit here for different stuff. So uh, Fink notes uh, uh, what Stephen Quan's. Uh, preseason versus rest of season uh wrc plus projections are from both zips and steamer he went through like five games from a 111 to a 118 in zips and from a 117 to a 127 in steamer notably those are both they think he's going to be considerably better than league average without him playing a single day of major league baseball and then based off of five games of data they bumped him up like seven to ten points um Silver pulls a lot of the same stuff, but also like found like the if you include what he's done for the first five days, um, Steamer has him projecting for like a season long WRC plus of 135, which is uh, really good. 
that is between Pete Alonso and Rafael Devers. Um, so Take I just want to say, uh, there's a whole lot of regress to the mean, regress to the mean. What the heck is going on here? Regress to the mean going on, but the machines like him. And um, I should also note some of the IRL scouts and prospect people were actually pretty into him as like a, hey, we're going to sneak this guy up our board 150 spots into the back end of the top 100 prospects. So he's not a nobody. This isn't truly a fluke. He did add a lot of power last year. Uh, from Again, here's a big surprise. The prospect lives. People loved him. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter and pay for their stuff. So, of course, <laughs> it's who I hear first. But a lot of people do really like it. Um, yeah. It's not impossible that he's really good. Michael Brantley always has a great WRC plus. Like, do, do you know how good he was for Houston last year? He was also in that one thirty ish range, and he got yeah, like, no right. buzz. And exactly, I think this is not the long ball, right? This is the, the fantasy ball. side of things, and this is what really yeah. interesting interests me. Uh, Cleveland's not Houston. Their top half's going to be good, but it's not Houston, and it's not quite Houston's park, though it is nice. If he continues to add power, um, and he really gets the most out of his approach, uh. Sure, he might be a guy who hits like you get a Jeff McNeil ish sort of profile, like that one really good year of Jeff McNeil when, yeah, we drafted when he was good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> where he like stole double digit bases and hit double digit home runs and had a really good average at the top of a pretty good lineup. Like that ends up being the home runs you miss and the RBIs that become like 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 league average for your 12 team RBI don't hurt you as much as you gain elsewhere. And he ends up being a 10 to $15 player. Um, cool. Do you, do you know where though, where um, Brantley was going in like main events for the NFBC though? Like, do you know what pick he was Far going too at? Late. I don't know the number, but w- way too late. 275. Yeah. So um, yeah. like, yeah, if, Brantley got dropped in a 15 team league. I would spend a bunch of fab dollars to pick him up. It's just a really interesting, like, do you know what product you're buying rush towards this guy? Uh, I really right. like leagues where I can care about those guys. And uh, it's just like, we're all freaking out about a tiny sample because, and I think this is the point that we really want to make here. The sorts of things he's doing are so out side the norm and are fueled by the sorts of stuff we can believe fastest we don't care about his batting average we are all freaking out about his whiff rate and his ability to draw walks and that is i think what we really need to care about here most although i'll push back a little bit on that i do think batting average if you can get it from a guy who's not hurting you in those other categories it's still a category for a lot of people oh i mean in terms of believing you i'm with you oh in in terms of okay i got you i got you in terms of whether or not this is sustainable yeah because he could still hit okay but again if it's if it's a zillion singles and no steals and all that then it's it's kind of empty average i got you um all right you have here in our rundown a list of things i care about so far and you have them tiered and I would like to have time to go through all of those. I am a little bit on a short leash in terms of time today. I have my uh, my baby son uh, sleeping upstairs while I'm on vacation this week, which is why we're able to do this midday and I can drink coffee while we're uh, while we're recording. Um, so I have a little bit of a, a time limit here, but I want to get to all of these. So um, I'm just going to kind of be the one who guides us through the process. You're going to be the Sounds one who good. gets to talk about what you're saying. And I'm just going to kind of be like, let's make sure we're on time and on target here. So, uh, things Alexander cares about so far, tier one already trusted. Talk to us about that. Yeah. I have one item in this tier and that's, was this guy good last year? Um, 
I want to remind people that all of the data we have last year still applies. And just because so-and-so has yet to record a hit or whatever it is, or maybe uh, is batting 500, whatever the number is, and you're looking at those outcomes and you're like, he's you know, just gone off to a, a great start. If they weren't good last year or if they were, were good last year, that's important. They're still the same person for the most part, probably. Uh, so that's and the very first thing point- I care about. Sorry, I told you I wasn't going to jump in, and here I am jumping in. But by this time next week, they'll have more than double their plate appearances, right? <laughs> I mean, so we're we're at that part of the season where it's it the numbers are nice for confirmation bias. They're nice for feeling good about grabbing the right guy off the wire. They're victory laps, for, yeah, for victory laps and um and maybe some sneaky trades here at the beginning if somebody uh, is looking to maybe sell low because they're panicked a little bit. Um, but again, by this time next week, we're going to have doubled our sample size, probably at least. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, All right, tier two. Can I throw uh, a name into that last one? Just an example of how I'm thinking. Uh, Last night we saw Zach Wheeler's first start. He wasn't great. We know that he was like ramping up a little bit slower. He didn't get a ton of whiffs. He got a good number of call strikes. He didn't get rocked. The line was really good, but like, if you're like, oh, the underlying data is bad. He's toast. Drop him, trade him, whatever. No. He was good last year. We don't have Go a real believe, reason to believe that he's not going to be good in May. Trust yourself. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Tier two, mostly trusted already, but hey, things happen. Yeah. Um. So this is like the stuff that we're expecting to stick the fastest. It's new information is kind of like what this tier is all about. So the things I'm looking for here are like, first and foremost, I think the easy part um like lineup choices or managerial usage changes uh so that's things like dylan carlson suddenly batting leadoff that seems like that's likely to stick his value went up uh conversely some other players in that same cardinals uh organization have had their values (laughs) change a little bit uh so um yeah i'm i'm really happy to accidentally roster carlson in a dynasty league where i inherited a team um I would not be nearly ex- as excited if the guy that you drafted to steal 30 bases is study- suddenly batting eighth. Uh, so yeah, who is that that I'm referring to? I don't know. I can't remember his name. That's the whole reason I'm speaking this way. Um, I love it when I do this. Uh, <laughs> who am I referring to? What is, what is his name? Um, I'm looking up Tommy Edmund. Oof. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, Tommy- because I traded Dylan Carlson away and I have Tommy Edmund. So of <laughs> course, that is how it's going to work for my dynasty squad. Yeah, God. Um, Weird team. Corey Dickerson is DHing and batting fifth for the Cardinals. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. Interesting. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So that's the sort of stuff that I, I'm going to trust immediately. Also, just like the like, it has to be true. Like someone is throwing harder than they ever have been. You can believe that they're probably going to continue to throw hard, harder than they ever have been, especially if they were doing it in spring training. A lot of spring training data kind of bleeds into this. Uh, or maybe if you can see someone has demonstrably lost a bunch of velo and a bunch of spin on something. Um, or maybe you could say added pitches, changing pitch shapes. These are the things they're doing something differently. I would also, if it were the case, if you can see that someone's clearly lost a step in terms of their sprint speed, maybe because they're, you know, they're returned from some sort of long-term injury. And like, it seems like it, they are not hitting anywhere near that top speed. Maybe like they tried to steal second and you have like a reliable sort of thing. I don't know that we're going to have any of those readings fast enough. Of like someone's top end sprint speed should be. But like in theory, that's the sort of data I'm talking about here. Is someone's body 
failed them? Have they suddenly hit a way new max exit velocity, like twice even? I'm willing to believe those sorts of physical-ish trait sort of things immediately. Yeah, that makes sense. Things that have a story and not and not don't look like they're just happenstance in a small sample size. It makes perfect sense. And I think I believe them uh, for the story, I think is where it is. It's not just like, oh, the story guy. is believable. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, all right, tier three. You have here 25 to 50 plate appearances. You're going to have to elaborate and tell me more about that. Yeah, so this is like the first sort of like actually measurable data that's not just like uh, Eric Lauer's throwing harder or Alex Cobb's throwing harder sort of stuff. This is like the let's check out what they're doing. And this is the stuff that's it's mostly choice driven stuff for hitters. So it's like sticky within that that number of plate appearances. We're starting to believe it's sticky. Yeah. I would say. Uh, so this is especially going to be stuff where I'm interested for like new arrivals. So uh, stats like someone's um, swing rates in and out of the zone, just in general. Um, those were there. I'm, I'm going to start to believe that. Uh, I'm also willing, if you're way outside the outlier, to believe that Stephen Kwan's going to have a considerably above average uh, contact rate, both in and out of the zone. Um, I think of like Seiya Suzuki, who is uh, not whiffing a whole lot, He's not chasing a whole lot. He's not swinging a lot in general. I have reason to believe that in the intermediate term, that will stick, that he's going to be the the sort of guy who is not going to chase a whole lot. Now, part of that is a choice, it seems. Um, He is being very selective. He's had a couple called strikeouts, uh, but uh, he's not whiffing a whole lot right now. It's a very interesting uh, piece of trivia in the PL Trivia channel uh, earlier this morning. He has five strikeouts and two whiffs so far. I'm willing to believe that that sort of data is reasonably real so far, but, and I think this is important, he could start to change his approach a little bit as he gets a little bit more comfortable with major league pitching. Where I think that stuff is going to be more likely to just stick longer term is often for like um, prospects coming up that like, this is who they are. They're going to not swing a lot. Uh, But like those sorts of stuff, it's a choice. Maybe it could change, but we need to see evidence that it's changing. Uh, in the intermediate term, I believe that Torkelson's going to be patient. I believe that Suzuki's going to be patient. I believe that Kwan's going to be... I'm not going to call it super patient, but patient. He's, his ability to foul stuff off outside the zone, I'm going to believe in as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Selective, maybe, is a better word for him, right? Right, right, right. Um, and you can probably think the exact opposite for someone who's not doing those things well, who I'm just not thinking about, because I'm not interested in picking them up or, ha- or patting myself on the back for already rosting them. On the pitching side, um, I'm willing to more than anything else, big, big caveat here, after a couple of starts, care about someone's, like, the whiffs they're getting, not whiff rate, but just, like, the total number of whiffs they're getting in a game, uh, whiff per batter, I prefer, to, like, swinging strike rate, uh, because, uh, you know, usage and stuff, um, but whatever, like, stuff plus-ish sort of stuff is stable after... a couple starts a really great tweet from Eno this morning um that we have in our channel and i'm sure a lot of other people have already seen but um matt brash has the best stuff plus among all starters who have gone so far and like pretty much everyone's gone r- once so um he note that it needs about three starts to stabilize that's going to be somewhere around 60 to 75 but if you're way outlier on that stuff you could probably start to believe it ish a little bit more early on so and I, I believe that as of today i would bet that matt brash will end up in the top quartile of stuff plus at minimum um it's just it's very unlikely for that to go away immediately 
it's just like exactly what the numbers are themselves are to take a minute to stabilize. If you're considering one, sorry, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was just going to say, can you take one second and just clarify quartile for people who aren't familiar with that term? Top 25% quarter. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, tier four would be then I assume here you have 50 to hundred plate appearances. So do, new numbers that would start to be believable around 50 to hundred plate appearances. Yeah. It, I, when I say 50 to hundred plate appearances, it's like, imagine that you've just convinced yourself to totally ignore something and like kept it off of your spreadsheet until they hit a certain number. Like I'm not really going to buy into someone's stuff plus after one start, but that's, I don't know, he faced a good number of batteries. He's, he, like, I, I can pull up how many batteries he faced because I tweeted about it this morning. Um, he faced uh, he faced 21 batters. Um, so like we're getting towards that 25 number. I will definitely believe a Steph Plus next start. It's close to on my radar at this point. So these are the numbers where at 50 to 100 PA, they are on my radar. I am actively starting to sort through it, and I'm going to start comparing people a little bit more. So uh, pitcher strikeout rates, I will care about after they're like whiffs per batter. It takes just a tiny bit longer for pitcher strikeout rate to not be dependent on like who you faced, basically. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to start to care about that. For hitters, things do stabilize a tiny bit faster. So I'd start to believe in striker rate and a little bit later than that, uh walk rate and like hard contact rate i'm not yet gonna believe in barrels uh because there is a little bit of like spray luck for barrels but they still are helpful um but yeah like within this month or so i'm gonna care what a a player's strikeout and walk rate and hard contact radar for hitters i'm gonna care about what a pitcher's uh strikeout rate is those are believable within that many within just a few starts um just gotta make sure especially for pitchers you can get the having just faced the Oakland A's out of your statistical system. Yeah, right, right, right. Kyle Gibson is not the greatest pitcher of all time. He just faced the A's. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Are we ready for tier five? I think we're ready for tier five, and this is the thing I'm most interested in. Okay, and uh, so we're looking at 150 to 200 plate appearances. Let's talk weeks. How many weeks is that? Um, So this uh, this is like about a month and a half to two months. So this for is pitchers. For, yeah for pitchers, but also for hitters. I think uh, they end up facing. I believe. I believe they end up with roughly the same number of plate appearances in a season. It's really interesting well, because they get they get to pitchers throw against so many more in one in start. one game. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Think about it. So like Brash faced twenty batters, and he's going to face twenty batters every five games. Hitters are going to have like. For, for a plate a, of a yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, very simple math. I should have been able to do without you having to explain it, but thank you for doing that anyway. It's just kind of like you don't think to do it, I think <laughs> is kind of what all that boils down to. Uh, yeah, I'm used to thinking in terms of like games and starts and innings and, yeah, and all that, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But all of like the fair stuff is plate appearances that I found, so I've kind of had to rewire my brain, and it's rough, it's really rough. Um, yeah, so these are like when you really start to believe a lot of the fun stuff for pitchers and. Uh, for hitters at this point, I'm going to really care about uh, barrel rate. And I'm starting to believe things like on base percentage that are going to be a little bit determined by some luck of where the balls have landed, but we're getting there. Uh, so yeah, like we're going to really know who hitters are uh, by let's call it, uh, let's call it the end of May. Um, we're at yeah. that point. Yeah. Like there are some people who like, maybe they had a toward first few weeks and then people adjust. Let's imagine for a second that suddenly 
two weeks from now, someone debuts a new game plan for Stephen Kwan, and it just doesn't work for him anymore, and everything starts to tank. Um, totally possible that like his first 150 PA won't be the same as the next 150 PA, but it's it takes some considerable change in something to the data for that to happen. If things just kind of keep on keeping on at 150 to 200 PA, we've shaken out a lot of the luck for our system for batters, and we we kind of know who they're going to be. Uh, for pitchers, it takes a little bit longer, obviously, because your samples, one, get biased by maybe having good feel for a game or two or not having good feel, like facing a bad uh, opponent, things like that. Um, and that's why it just takes a little bit longer. The work that I've done on a hard contact rate whenever I did a lot of like the reliability tests showed that, showed that 150 PAs is when that is going to be true for to be more average or more helpful than just like regressing to average for for walk rates for hard contact rates so about that time something like a pcra ish era estimator that will regress to the mean but like won't will regress to the mean less as you get more uh data in i'm willing to start to look at that but i want to note i will not care what anyone's era is ever I will not care about what <laughs> yeah, I have peer never below this on the rundown, but I yeah, want to make sure I yeah. said it now. Um, I will not care what a, a pitcher's ERA is in season. I do not look at, them. Um, I've been posting these hard contact rate and swinging strike ish stuff on, uh, on Twitter for my own, like I want to put it there so I can find it faster later. Mostly um, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I don't care if it gets one yeah. like or anything else. I just want to have it there for my own sake later. It's like their little library. Yeah. 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 And also like, it's fun to go back a week from now and say, hmm, I really liked that math brash start or didn't. Uh, we'll come back to him in a second. Uh, and I am not even going to care, though, uh, within like long enough that I'm going to be able to pick up someone in most leagues with their FIP, with their Sierra, with their XERA is. It just takes too long for those to really matter. I might like some of those things for descriptiveness to be able to shake out some luck or something like that, but to try to figure out how good someone is, those just things, those things just aren't going to be on my radar as we kind of go in for the next few weeks. Uh, so yeah, that's so that's I want to I mean, sum this up maybe from a different perspective, and you stop me where I'm saying something stupid. <laughs> ERA is a category, right? So we care about it in so much as we need it to win our leagues. You don't like looking at it as a predictor of future performance, right? right. Is what you're saying. So while we're talking about these these different tiers um starting with tier three which was your 25 to 50 plate appearances these are things you can use in season as well right if you're if you're looking at somebody who's got a, a huge i should say they've got a five and a half era but they've been good lately you can go back and look over the last 45 plate appearances for that 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 uh pitcher has faced you might want to look at things like whiffs and stuff plus between 50 and 100, right? If you're looking at this on kind of like a rolling graph type of way in season, this That's is still useful information, it, yeah. right? So 50 to 100 plate appearances, you can then start looking at K rate, walk rate, hard contact rate. Um, then, you know, if you're at a point in the season where there have been 200 plate appearances, if you want to try and look at these things in their chunks, this is still really useful. It's not just because we're at the beginning of the season and we're waiting for these things to become useful, reliable, sticky things. There are also measures we can use in season to look at chunks of performance to try and help us better understand how to get a guy who is going to give us a better ERA. Because at any point in the season, again, correct me if I'm wrong, 
we really don't care about what his ERA has been. Those are stats that are already in somebody's lineup and, mm-hmm. and in their, their bank, right? Yours or somebody else's or the waiver wires. What you care about is what the ERA is going to be from that point forward. So if somebody's got an eight ERA now, but there's all, all signs point to the fact they're going to finish the year with a, a four ERA. Well, that's a lot of really good pitching, right? Right. In between. Um, those are silly numbers because that'd have to be like zero runs, right? Or if it's halfway through the season, but uh, <laughs> the point remains, if, if you think that somebody with an ADRA is going to end the year with a six and a quarter, that means that they've done pretty well between eight and six and a quarter to get it down that much. So uh, I, I, I want to just highlight, and I'm belaboring the point now, but the fact that this is not only useful now, this is useful for analysis midseason as well. I, I like the way that you bring up the rolling chart there because it reminds me of some ways that I've been chopping this up at different points that I'd like to be able to spell out. So I'm going to take a guy like Andrew Vaughn, uh, who I, uh, side part, I remember the tier two uh, manager doing dumb things. Uh, oh my God, Tony LaRusa, can you please just bat Andrew Vaughn? Um, the, the starting right fielder, AJ Pollock, he gets hurt. He doesn't play still. It's insane. Um, so um, if we live in a world where you need like a handful of really good regulars and then you can mix and match after that, a lot of the dumb teams uh, just screw up because they don't mix and match enough. It seems like the uh, the White Sox are screwing up because they have not yet identified that Andrew Vaughn is good enough to be an everyday player. Uh, yeah, that's a whole separate thing, though. And I reached that conclusion, though, when I'm looking at these rolling graphs and I look at, for example, Andrew Vaughn's 50 PA rolling strikeout rate from last year. And you see it drop from like high 20s to, to teens over the course of the season Okay, with a lot of other players, though. Uh, let's take I uh, want to make sure I can pull someone out of thin air that I think is kind of useful here. Um, I'm going to take like. Uh, I want a, I want a batter who I know that has like swung around on their strikeout rate a lot. So let's take like um, the longer term thing that we'd look at. Uh, I can see his lack of chin. Who am I think? Kyle Tucker. Uh, <laughs> doesn't have a chin. Um, and you can just see over time that a lot of the jumps in people's changes happen in the off season. So a nice thing I like to do if I'm ever on Savant's rolling charts, because I just know how to find them, like to use them. Uh, they're really quick. Uh, is I will... T- I will see it for everyone. I'll set it to like my hundred PA or whatever. I want a longer look and just want to wiggle a little bit less. And then I will take it and I'll break it down into the current season or maybe just, just the last season so that you don't get that one season to the next bleed where like the things really jump around Uh, because you know that they are going to people make adjustments. They hang out with their their trainers a little more than they just like fly around the country. Um, They get to get healthy, uh, whatever it may be changes happen that's why things don't correlate as well year to year as they correlate in season um and that's why i think some of the biggest advantages you can gain are from caring about these changes in season uh so i hope that we can kind of like i'm saying this today over the next couple months or so we should be able to check in you know like what can we care about up to this point pretty regularly will change um and the what have you done for me lately will change to a a degree so yeah i think you laid that out pretty well Awesome. Well, do you have any final thoughts here before we bring this one to an end? Uh, first, first, I don't know, how many days are, are we in by the time this episode drops? 10? 10, <laughs> 10 days of the season? Oh, man. Um, I, I'm i actually really curious what's frustrated you so far in any of your, uh, any of your, your leagues that you do or don't care about. Oh, uh, the thing that happens every year, which is I have a really awesome team that I'm really happy about, and they go out and are over forever for the first three weeks and 
especially in head-to-head leagues, I start 0-3, and, and then I start pulling my hair out, of which there is less and less every day. Uh, so that that that's kind of the thing that's been frustrating me. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I, what you were looking for? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking for the, uh, I'm fishing for a particular, but it's been really funny. Like I have a league where I swung some deals and I ended up with Trey Turner and Shohei Otani. Uh, and uh, neither of them have hit particularly well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the entire Dodgers lineup has kind of not been very good. And I have some Dodgers stacks on some teams essentially because it's like, they're good, aren't they? Yeah. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. Well, you know what? All that means is that the rest of the season, they're going to be that much better. Uh, I know that's I know that's the gambler's <laughs> fallacy. I'm just kidding. I get it. I understand. Uh, I'm not correcting you at this like, point in the episode. It, <laughs> in uh, if if you had a guy who was uh, hitting you know 125 over the course of six games in July, you're not. It's not even on your radar. It's just because it's now. So and honestly, you know, I I do wonder how much of this offseason nonsense really affected things. I, I know these are professional athletes, oh, yeah. and they always say that they don't need that much time to ramp up but it does seem like across the board a lot of these guys just aren't in mid-season form i mean they're never in mid-season form i guess not even mid-season it's called mid-season form but they just don't seem like like they're uh where they would normally be in in april and um it it just it's gonna have to you're gonna have to write it out It, it is what it is and there are some people who are on fire right now and those teams are shooting up the ranks and everybody feels really good they're going to come back to earth and your guys are going to going to, you know, perform the way they're supposed to. And it's going to be the horse race. It always is. So um, stay the course. I should note AJ Pollock, definitely in midseason form hurt because he's injured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's about right. Oh, poor guy. I'm, I'm rooting uh, for him. I really am. And Otani is in midseason form in one way and that he is awesome and fun. Uh, did you see yes. that he was giving CPR to his bat in the dugout after? <laughs> after that's starting the, some, some that's the well, mindset we got to have actually is that he's yeah. clearly having fun with it he knows it's not that big of a deal you got you got to steal already he had a great game pitching uh, yeah i'm in a couple fan tracks leagues and i have him in a fan tracks league dynasty where they have recently enabled what i think is the most sensible shohei otani setting which is that um if you can have him as like in the lineup for one thing uh, like as a pitcher and then you also get to accrue his hitting stats with the caveat my perfect version of that is you lose your utility spot if you enable that so i like yeah, maybe you, like a thing where you right. can like have him in both and like i think we're inching towards that uh so that's the thing that like i can ignore everything else if we're inching towards double otani in your lineups uh without him being like omega yeah, OP. i have him in espn and a daily which is amazing uh, but I still, on the days he pitches, I I still have to choose whether he's going to be a pitcher or a hitter. I, mm-hmm. Being able to use him in both would, oh man, that would increase his value even that much more. Yeah, but alas, yeah, not yeah. not the case for this it year. It takes him up worth another five six bucks basically to me if you can. Yeah, which get is his hitting stats on the days lot. he pitches. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> that's 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 a lot. He was already five or six uh, bucks above the rest of the league to start uh, given in a, in, yeah. a, in a daily league where he's one player, he's already the one, one by about five bucks. So five more bucks is pretty significant at that part of the, the draft. Yeah. We'll see if I can talk my, uh, my semi weekly dynasty league. No, twice weekly. It's not semi. 
semi-weekly is anything bi-week- crap. whatever yeah. i don't bi-weekly care is every other week yes yeah, also semi-weekly. twice per week i think you can use it either way so anyway no, no, you get, bi-weekly you get... is twice is to every other week semi-weekly it's, i've heard it both ways but Little people are wrong point. and that's the fun thing about the english <laughs> language <laughs> a lot of leagues have actually turned to that where your pitchers are static for in a weekly league but your hitters you can change them out on friday yeah like a midweek change that's that's an fbc i'm in this dynasty startup yeah. where it's not started up it's started up it's just a dynasty league now uh, where you can swap <laughs> both but you just don't have that many pitching spots for starters so like and you have to stay within your own roster right you yeah, mean, you're not yeah. I mean, like, you can but like, the waivers are like so barren that it doesn't matter because it's dynasty okay <laughs> so it kind of works this way out sure and sure if i can convince them to let me throw otani into a pitcher line out of spot and still like lose my utility or maybe just like plug him into both basically uh that'd be that'd be nice because my, my team's not very good uh, on the hitting side right now <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it might be worth just sacrificing those pitching stats if you had to. Although, oh, I, I, if am. You look at, I am. If you look at his hitting performances last year on the days that he pitched, it was significantly yeah, less yeah, good. Yeah. So anyway, that's all an aside. Thank you so much for being with me on this episode. Episode number 54, Alexander. Can you believe it? 54 episodes. That's more than, so old. Years, <laughs> more than a year's worth of having to listen to me talk into your ear for more than an hour once per week or, or so. Um, yeah, I guess that brings us to the end. So if you could just let the people know where they can find us. Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked Matt. I'm on Twitter at chase underscore rate. And you, most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at dugout study hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed. If you haven't done that already, leave us a good review. If you can be so kind and If you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.